0: Everybody, this is podcast number three in cardiology, vascular, and really how we're going to die and what we're we going to do about it. And today is going to be about what kind of testing should we have. And so, the biggest question before we really get into testing is how does somebody manage vascular disease? How can we test it and monitor it? Is there obviously obvious risk factors that create a vascular disease? And by the way, again, vascular disease if you didn't catch my last podcast. It can be from somebody who is autoimmune, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or celiac or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis or they have a, an ulcer. And then inflammation, chronic inflammation, anybody that has anything that's a chronic inflammation, asthma, allergies, will eventually affect the cardiovascular system. And as you get further along, people just start getting mini strokes and um, then bigger strokes and heart attack those kind of things that are that are further on along, but it can also add to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and dementia. Diabetes is one of the major risk factors, and some other risk factors are obesity, high blood pressure, which we sh- you should always have your blood pressure tested, and you should probably have something at home. Uh, smoking or secondhand smoke, but also uh, environmental pollution. Diabetes and or insulin resistance, sedentary lifestyle, and excess in alcohol intake are all triggers that can create um, issues. Now, these are kind of, well, yeah, I know, smoking, okay, got it. But less obvious risk factors. If you're not getting tested, and you don't know about oxidative stress, um, which can be from your body, or it can be from what you eat, or it can be from your outside environment, or um, let's say toxins you get involved with, or inflammation, which can be literally everything, or somebody's not checking your homocysteine levels, which is 20 times more sensitive than cholesterol alone, or clotting activity, or then some people just have genetics. Um, Now, you could be obese, and smoke, and have diabetes, and then we go run a test, and it's your atherosclerosis, which is hardening of the arteries, is totally normal. Fantastic, good for you. Uh, you won't be there forever, but at least it's a better starting point than somebody that does everything right, eats right, thinks right, sleeps right, takes all their supplements, um, is on a very clean diet, and then we run a test, and while they don't have a lot of inflammation, they have a lot of ather- or, Atherosclerosis because of a genetic predisposition. So, this is why we, we we test people as they come along. So, one of the biggest things we have, and, and we've made a, a deal with several places around it, is something called a calcium score. So, if you have a calcium score that's above 10, we got a problem. So, let's say we have um, a nurse that eats healthy. She sees, she's a cardio nurse. Uh, actually, I have a, a stepdaughter that is that. And she eats healthy and uh, exercises. And then we run a calcium score and it's well over 10. It's like 300. This is different from somebody who has, let's say, chronic fatigue and depression or Hashimoto's um, and they have a calcium score at 10. This is different from, let's say, a 35-year-old woman who also has chronic fatigue and maybe some anxiety and, and depression and they're Both of her parents died in their 50s from a cardiovascular event, a heart attack, or a stroke. Versus somebody who's, let's say, in their mid-50s, and they're starting to get headaches, and they've been told they had a TIA, and they had third speech. Well, what typically happens in the hospital is that they send you home. Okay, it's just a TIA. It's fine. Let's go home. That's not it. And unfortunately, if... you have microvascular disease, there needs to be a workup that comes along with it. And and my little platform as we got into this, hundreds of chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, functional medicine doctors don't do an adequate workup for cardiovascular. They don't know about lipid particle size. They don't know about or use calcium um, score. They don't utilize the difference in blood pressure. They don't utilize uh, temperature variance. These are things you should have, for the most part, on your first exam as you go into anybody's office. So, very important to understand what's going on with this, and there's there's differences. Sometimes cardiovascular disease is, there's electrical circuiting, or the valves are broken down, or there's cardiac tissue, or there's an infection, like it's called myocarditis, or endocarditis, that has started to affect the heart. It has nothing to do with um, lifestyle and diet, and there's vascular disease, which then gets into your stroke and heart attack, which is a little bit different. Now, if you have cardiac tissue, valves, electronic circuiting, you're born with a congenital heart disease or valvular heart disease, you're best treated with medicine. I'm going to say it. It's not a real functional medicine issue. However, vascular disease, which is what the most people have in the United States, they they respond significantly to diet, lifestyle, nutritional strategies, and functional medicine. So I just want to give an Update as to what's a good fit for a natural doctor, what's a good fit for our office, too? And so there are different types of vascular diseases, but if you have one, you probably have them all. There's coronary artery disease, um, there's cerebral vascular disease, like when you're having stroke and mini strokes, and then there's peripheral artery disease or vascular when you start getting um, all the fun that comes down in your your extremities, most of the time it happens in your leg. So, what keeps your vascular? in check. It's what's called the endothelium. It's the inside of your arteries. <clears throat> these cells are highly susceptible to inflammation. And just like the gut and the brain and the lungs, they have little porous holes between them that allows nutrients to get through there and go where they're supposed to go. Now, as you have more and more inflammation, these hills start to open up and stuff gets in there, particularly cholesterol. And when cholesterol gets in there, other things can get in there too, such as free radicals, and they essentially rust the inside of your arteries, otherwise known as oxidation. And these reactive oxidation species, otherwise known as ROS, then become um, hardening of the arteries. And as you get these bigger holes that come in there, then you have platelet aggregation that comes along. And then you have an increased fibrinogen activity, which means that you're getting, beginning plaqueing. And there's always a chance as it goes further along that the plaque can break off, and then you have what's called a myocardial infarction or heart attack or TIA or even worse, a stroke. So there are diseases that affect um, this even more when you have a loss of cells. Um, vascular endothelium cells, when you lose them, you lose your ability to have a good arterial system. So it has to be a function. We have to look at what do we do to um, make them work better. Now, in atherosclerosis, there are like five stages. One is normal, and then five would be an unstable plaque formation. Um, And there's ways that we can test every single way along there, but stage one is normal. Everything above that, you have endothelial cell damage. Now, what can affect... A vascular issue, and this is why it gets a little bit harder than just running blood pressure or just running cholesterol. You could have an infection, so the pathogen. You could have lipid particles for whatever reason that are too small. You could um, you could smoke cigarettes or cigars. There could be air pollution, toxic chemicals, antioxidant depletion, or you're just not making any antioxidants, or you have something that's affecting your mitochondria, or you have elevated homocysteine, which essentially scratches inside the arteries and let these things happen. Or you could have a gut that's not working right. It's called the microbiome metabolism. You could have medications that cause vascular injury. Yeah, medications. Oxidative stress. Um, You work out too much. That was me. Sedentary lifestyle. Hypertension. Too high blood pressure. Elevated insulin. Uh, Vascular autoimmunity. Yeah, you can have antibody to your arteries and then it starts to break them down even more. You could have hormone deficiency. And then some people take actually exogenous hormones. So if you're on birth control... One of the side effects is stroke, even in your 20s. So we have to take that into note. Well, what if you're on Premarin and you have some of these other markers that are going longer? Yeah, you can. Uh, that's an estrogen, by the way. It can affect what's going on there. What if you have esterase, um, aromatase esterase as a male and you start taking testosterone? Well, convert it to estrogen. Guess what? It's no different than taking Premarin as a woman. So you get scarring and breakdown of the arteries. You can have inflammation um or what's called inflammatory cytokines so you've all heard of COVID by this point and there was this um what's called a cytokine storm well guess what that was it and but there's other things that can do that than just COVID. um adipokines so uh, another hormones and then pain pathways if you have a lot of inflammation and pain that goes along with there so how do we help endothelial injuries well we have to increase nitric oxide without nitric oxide, you get atherosclerosis and you get increased blood pressure. And when you have atherosclerosis, you have endothelial cell damaging. And when you get that, you get arterial lumen narrowing, which suffocates tissue. So you might have chest pain, angina, heart attack, a stroke, peripheral artery diseases, but you also, blood vessel damage can lead to micro vis- uh, lesions or um, microvascular disease. So you start having memory issues, brain doesn't fire as much, uh, cold hands and fingers uh, go along with it. But uh, you might even have red spots in your eyes. It seems like you broke a blood vessel. There's other things that go on. Then there's cholesterol metabolism where you can actually get an embolytic stroke or ocular occlusion, or spinal cord artery disease or gestational hemorrhaging. It, it gets a little bit farther. So vascular disease is the number one killer in the world. 85% of Americans are going to die from this, whether it's a heart attack or a stroke. Um, it's a big deal. Top <clears throat> One third of cases in the United States. Again, vascular disease. Top prescriptions. Here is the top 10. Um, lisinopril, blood pressure. Uh, Atorvastatin uh, is for cholesterol. Levothyroxine, thyroid. Metformin, um, type 2 diabetes, which screws up the, everything above it. Amelodopine, blood pressure. Metropolol, blood pressure. Omeprezolol. That is digestion, but that's an inflammation. Soma- somatostatin, um, cholesterol. Losartan now butyrol are the last two um now lasartan again is a cholesterol-lowering blood pressure or blood pressure medication so um six of the top ten or six of the top nine are cholesterol blood pressure medication then you've got um digestion pancreas or so we'll say stomach pancreas and uh thyroid now this is kind of why we have to study at these things. And, and by the way, when you have blood pressure, here's a test. Blood pressure is one of the leading causes of um, vascular disease. And has a significant impact on all causes of our or mortality worldwide. So I'm going to talk about the blood pressure management. And then we're going to get into what the best way to test this. So let's talk about what's called conventional management of cardiovascular disease. So if you have high blood pressure, hypertension, you might get what's called an ACE inhibitor or calcium channel blocker, a diuretic, or an angiotensin two receptor blocker, a beta blocker, or an alpha blocker. Well, what if you have cholesterol? They might give you a moderate dose statin, a high dose statin, high intensity statin, cholesterol absorption inhibitor, bile, acid, sequestrant, and fibrates. Well, here is the side effect of the conventional management. If you take hypertensive agents, you have B vitamin depletion, electrolyte depletion, magnesium deficiency, and potassium deficiencies. Okay. Well, what does that do to your arteries? It hurts them. That's like the top thing to do. Well, if you take a, a statin, it has a coq deficiency, essential fatty acid deficiency, and fat soluble vitamin deficiencies such as ADE and K. Well, go back into the last two years, and we have all these people who have unknown inflammation within their arterial system and they've been put on these let's say statins just statins now we know that statin has a coq10 deficiency which then doesn't allow the mitochondria within the arterial cells the endothelial to make nitric oxide and protect itself we know that with essential fatty acid there you don't uh, recover the inflammation stays higher and you don't move the lymphatic system around so it's much harder for you to deal with infections and disease and we know that fast-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, become depleted. And we know that there are numerous studies that if your vitamin D gets below 30, then you're more susceptible to this thing called COVID. So, in a nutshell, without a meta-analysis or looking at all the research, um, and not to say that this is a scientific thing, but I'm just going to go out on what the facts are there and make a statement. I believe that, you know, as as a country society, we actually got worse in COVID because we prescribe so much of these things in the United States that we actually created a bit of an issue. So in testing, there's something called upstream and downstream Um mechanisms of cardiovascular disease so downstream is when you're getting into medication whether it's for atherosclerosis when you're talking about statins or high blood pressure when you're talking about diuretics and beta and alpha blockers and um either one of them by the way lead to vascular disease when you get vascular disease of course coronary artery disease cerebral vascular disease such as strokes uh, peripheral vascular disease you also have you know brain injury kidney injury chronic pain uh, of what's going on And no matter what, you have the inside of the arteries, called endothelial, have a dysfunction. And again, things that create endothelial dysfunction to get there is a sedentary lifestyle or oxidative stress. You work out too much or you're in a polluted environment. Your blood sugar is not right, too high or too low. You take hormones. The hormones are imbalanced. Your gut is off. You have an autoimmune condition. You are around pollutants or chemicals. You don't eat right. Um, You have caloric excess. So all of the above that create endothelial function um, this function is called upstream medicine that is where functional medicine can thrive and our uh, our whole point is to make you make nitric oxide so that you can heal yourself so these are really big things to understand i mean when you're getting into exercise tests or ekgs or echocardiograms or ambulatory ekg marketing or um, you better mean stress echocardiogram. Uh, we're, we're getting a little further along down the road when you start getting um, other things. So what we want to know is when you have a positive stress test that with the EKG, it requires over 50% of blocking. 50%. So that's why we like to use a calcium, uh, coronary calcium score, because it kind of gives us an idea of what's going on regardless of age or sex. And again, we want to score less than nine. So that's one of the first tests that we can do other than blood pressure. Uh, of what's coming along but then there is blood tests that we can take a look at now if you're i, I know that there's like my online lab test or any lab test.com and those kind of things that are out there and of course, you're welcome to do whatever you want, but understand what you're looking at because, again, one test doesn't define you. And this is where the problem comes in, even when doctors look at um, lab tests and we're trying to explain to them, well, that only has like a 50% sensitivity and specificity, so it's not, it doesn't define it. But you have all these other tests that come along with it. Now that it becomes important, it's not the only test. So if you don't have medical history and in, if you're not you know, uh, looking at anything for red flags or you're doing a, an exam yourself, just running a blood test on your own is not enough, um, so I, I just want to make that pretty clear. And that if you don't have a physical exam, if somebody's looking in your mouth or doing your blood pressure, or doing jugular vein test, or what's called um, pulses that go through the entire body, or taking a look into your eyes, or a basic neuro exam, or looking at your pulse oximeter, or what's called ankle brachial index. Um, then what is what is a blood test? It, it it's nothing. You're you're trying to correlate and see what's happening on. Now, if somebody has some issues, maybe you need a echocardiogram or stress echocardiogram, or a, a stress ECG or calcium arterioles coronary arteriogram. And sometimes people need even more marketing uh, nuclear stress testing, CTs, MRIs, and then we have our conventional blood tests, which I'm going to get into. And then there's you know a little bit more when it goes into functional medicine profile because sometimes your inflammation that creates. An issue might be in your digestive tract. You might have an infection. You might have a, a dysbiosis, a stool issue, intestinal permeability, or maybe the hormones are creating your vascular problem. Maybe that's a nutrient issue, or maybe your body doesn't make antioxidants, or you just don't eat fish and there's no fatty acids in your in your life, or you're taking the wrong fatty acid, or you're taking a fatty acid from a big box store, and by the way, they don't put D-alpha-tocopherols, D which is an antioxidant, to keep it from oxidizing every time you open this big mega jar of stuff. Or maybe you have toxic chemicals and pollutants and things that you're starting to react to. So it's a little bit more than just a blood test, but let's talk about blood tests for just a minute. So while we want to focus in our office like insulin resistance and diabetes and microbiome and intestinal permeability because it's upstream mechanisms such as diet, exercise, sleep, stress, and relationships, downstream mechanisms when we're talking about um, looking at specifics, we look for blood pressure. And then we look for things that affect lipid metabolism, your fats, or things that oxidize you, or things that create clotting and things that create inflammation. So when we're looking for lipid metabolism, of course we're going to run a cholesterol panel, otherwise known as a lipid panel. We may even look at lipid particle size or what's called apolipoproteins. That tells us how our fat is being metabolized. And then if there's oxidation, we might look at something called oxidized LDL. That is a big risk factor. or clotting factors, such as fibrinogen activity, and then we have inflammatory markers that we go with people: homocysteine, C-reactive protein, ferritin, MMP nine, and TMAO. Well, where is it coming from? What's going on? What what could possibly be happening? So, what if somebody is ins, or, um, insulin resistant or diabetic? We might have to look at fasting glucose or run a glucose talent, challenging test, which is called postprandial testing. Um, fasting insulin, fructosamine, hemoglobin A one C. Um, those are things that we we look at as it's coming along. Well, what if somebody has intestinal permeability or an unknown, what's called leaky gut, and they have zonulinoclutin? What if they have an LPS positive test, which means they have a bacterial now going around through their body and attacking, and they will start to affect the hormone or the, the, uh, the arteries? Or when somebody has a hormone deficiency, what if your hypothyroidism, which affects lipid metabolism, and then we get all these other things, where are you at along this? What about female hormones? What about male hormones? All those things, Go into inflammation and they create issues. So once you have injury to your epithelial cells, which is like the first stage of everything, you'll have changes in what's called TMAO, or you maybe you have serum heavy metals, or you have um, an infection, ferritin will start to go up, homocysteine will go up, and C reactive protein goes up. And then your actual endothelial starts to leak. That's what's called vascular cell permeability. And when that happens your total cholesterol including your ldl hdl vldl which is very low density lipoprotein lipoprotein particle size and apple lipoproteins all start to change now when you have that you start to get cholesterol accumulation in the vascular wall when it gets trapped in there and it becomes oxidized then you have oxidized ldl and mmp9 so it kind of gives us an idea which test is going where are we going with that and then we want to see if there's platelet aggregation or injured cell wall where you're starting to get plaquing and this is when we need to run a vibration activity, a platelet count, and an essential fatty acid profile because we want to, need to make sure you don't have a thrombus formation. We need to make sure that you're not getting into an embolus where you can have a stroke, and heart attack, or a deep vein thrombosis, or worse, a pulmonary embolism. These are all um, silent killers. They go quick. Or the narrowing of the artery, which might be atherosclerosis, which now you have an increase of blood pressure, a risk for a heart attack, a risk for a um, like a bleed, it's a brain bleed or hemorrhagic stroke, and then or the beginning of microvascular disease, which is um, the little vessels in your brain are, are dying, and then you can also get in the peripheral artery disease. So there are tests that come along that tell us exactly what we're supposed to do and what phase you're at, and then we can come back and retest of what's going on. Now, the the cool thing is that even in our, our office, let's say somebody has, um, we'll just call it like four phases here, where you first have injury. And now you have, um, the second phase would be uh, cholesterol accumulation in the wall. The third phase would be, now you have oxidation of this trapped LDL. And then the fourth phase is now you actually have injury and you're beating the plating, plucking plating, plot, uh, process. Well, there are known researched products for each of these phases. So, all phases, EFA works, but definitely in the aggregation of injured cells, essential fatty acids, which is what we have on our website at choosenewlife.com shop under um, Optimum EFA. This is where um, memory support comes in. Well, it's helping out the blood supply to the brain, ginseng, vinpocetine, and ginkgo, um, which is in our memory support, also heparazine A, uh, helps this injured cell wall to um, not be as injured well what if you have um, oxidation of trapped ldl because that's an oxidation so we have to have antioxidants so we run um, massive amounts of antioxidants whether it's glutathione or resveratrol or fish oil um, even our energy support has a lot of flavonoids in it for this particular reason so that's something we use on our our site with with blood tests that show that they, they're doing better what if you're in stage two more or less that cholesterol accumulation's in the vascular wall so you have um Food extracts, plant sterols, fibers. So we have uh, GI immune, which is a massive fiber that comes in. We also use glutathione again. You can use garlic extract. You can lose plant sterols. So we have lipid redox. That is a combination of these plant sterols um, and fibers and nutrients and flavonoids that come together to help the accumulation in the cell wall. And then what's the number one thing that we should be doing to prevent all these from happening? The injury to the epithelium. I want you to have nitric oxide. So this is where B vitamins. So we have a complete B, and we also have an Energy Ignite that are a part of this. When they both have the 5-MTHF, um, uh, B12, and folate combinations that are in there, we use glutathione, we use NAC, we use magnesium, quercetin, um, and pomegranate, berberine, um, and beet extract these are all very good things to have when it comes to that so again if you're not going to see us in the office and you want to at least do something on that we know has some clinical value meaning we've run a test we put people on it we have a test that shows that it's it's working it doesn't work for everybody because not everything does because you might be more complicated than that so let's say you have endothelial damage but you also have platelet aggregation you're going to need a lot of stuff because you're in stage four, but guess what? Stage one still having trouble. Stage two is definitely having trouble. Stage three is having trouble. Um, and so that's why looking at just cholesterol alone and not looking at cholesterol HDL or oxidative, oxidative um, or C-reactive protein or homocysteine, because they come in, in different forms along the way. They come in different... What's more important? Because you might not have this because that's your genetic makeup, but you have this. And it's actually more serious than you know was thought or your cholesterol is completely normal because remember over 50% of cardiovascular events have normal cholesterol. So that's our mantra, that's what we look at. And then this is you know lesson 3 of 6 as we'll get to. So our next podcast that we're going to get to with this is going to be who's at risk and if you what should we be focusing on to help you get yourself out of this. I know you have a lot of podcasts you can listen to and I appreciate you listening to ours and I hope this at least made some sense why cholesterol alone or when you see HD or LDL calc it's a calculation it's not a real test it's not the best test for you there are better tests that are out there and why uh, not going to a doctor or doing this all yourself is a little bit more um, comprehensive and difficult but then if you go to a doctor and they don't do a blood pressure they don't look in your eyes they don't do these other tests and they don't correlate them to blood tests that you're not getting the the, the proper evaluation that you need, because then again, 85% of us are going to have a cardiovascular event. So what can you do to prevent it? And this is what we, we want to do. I'm Dr. Alan Treitz. Great health does not have to be a mission
1: impossible. Be well. This podcast, Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible, provides you information about evidence-based strategies for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, digestion, autoimmune disease, brain health issues, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode, Nutrition, Dr. Trite's blog, and many other topics at choosenewleaf.com. There you'll have all the information, and thank you for listening to this podcast. The best thing to do is sign up for his newsletter, where he'll update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. You can find Dr. Trite's social media on Instagram and Facebook with the username New Leaf Health. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. Note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.